You're listening to The Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counsellor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of The Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before. These stories are for the highly sensitive, the empaths, and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane and I'm a chiropractor based here in Melbourne and today we are chatting to a very talented leader and alignment coach based in Melbourne also who helps humans connect to their inner power and overcome obstacles and overall build resilience. So she represented Australia I think in the 2000 Paralympic Games as a swimmer and is now the founder of I Am Al Steel and also the co-founder of a co-working space called The Space and it's an all-inclusive area and event space and which I just love. I don't think we have enough of that in this field at the moment so we're going to talk a lot about that as well and how we can all be a little bit more inclusive and aware and yeah so welcome Al. Hello thanks for having me. Did that kind of round it up okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to – I always get excited to see how people, um, like, introduce you because I don't know whether I've nailed the bio yet because there's so many different pieces to it. It's like a really big tree with lots of branches. (laughs) A hundred percent. That's kind of why my intro on the podcast goes for about ten years. Um, So it's it's hard to kind of get um, the full picture of you because even in that little bio, I didn't really get the the chance to say that you're quite an intuitive person as well, and that you do touch on those aspects within your work as well, which Mm. is very very different um, for someone in your field. I think. What do you think? Um, I don't know, because I've been in the field for so long, I guess, you know, one of the, like, I went into that, you know, I went into the spiritual and intuitive space first, and then I did the coaching stuff. But I, you know, it's it's kind of a bit of a funny story how I got into the healing space. And it was actually from retiring from being an athlete. So, you know, you, you kind of learn. Um, yeah, I, I learned my healing stuff through injury and, and and overcoming injury and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was, it's, it is an interesting story, I guess. <laughs> I think so, because I guess, you know, everyone does have uh, something that's happened to them in their life in which they do kind of have to overcome a really, really challenging time or obstacle or whatever it might be, whether it's an injury like it was for you. But you kind of need those moments to kind of be the catalyst for you to kind of go on that spiritual journey. I found, I know that that's how I ended up on it as well. I wanted to make sense of something and find meaning in something that was really challenging and difficult for me. And by, you know, having the support and understanding of, you know, whether you believe in source or the universe or whatever Mm. it might be, whatever word you want to use, uh, for me, that gave me a lot of, um, support during a time where I felt alone or you know that I couldn't even go on at times which I'm sure you probably had experience during that too oh my god yeah and you know like I started the I started my business that I have now off the back 
of missing out on the Athens 2000 Paralympics. So um, I, you know, I, went, I kind of, you know, had the injuries, a continual lot of shoulder injuries. I was a 400 and 800 freestyler. Um, and, you know, you're doing a lot of Ks a week and eventually my shoulders just decided that that was the no-go zone anymore. Um, and so I was still trying out for Athens, hoping that I could make it for the 400 because I was pretty close to the qualifying time. Um, and in my race, my bathers split all the way down the back. And so... No! <laughs> yeah. Of all the things to happen! <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first tumble of eight laps. Um, no! Yeah, they ripped and I had to keep on going. But I, so I missed out on the team 5.03 of a second. Um, yeah. Which would have been that time that you were shocked that your bathers were ripping. Yeah, and just because I couldn't tumble turn anymore and, like, I had to t- do touch turns, it really, it, it like, affect. I mean, the planning of a race is ridiculous. Like, the everything is so down to the wire and um, and every single stroke and um and, you know, 50 and 20, you can break it down into even 25s as well as, you know, has has a, a reason and the way that you do it, it has a reason for it. So, um, yeah, I, I, but, I, I mean, I made it under six minutes, so I broke a national record, but I wow. yeah, didn't make it. So, yeah, just one of those things, I guess. <laughs> uh, it, well, it is what all it you is. can do is laugh, Al. All you can do is laugh. Like, you have to believe that something out there was like, let's make this woman's bathers rip. So that she can go on, you know, do things that she's not even aware that she needs to be doing for this world. That's what I would like to think anyway when things like that happen because it's just so, you know, one in a billion kind of thing to yeah. happen. Yeah, oh, it, it's absolutely, it was a catalyst for me to make a choice about what would, would make me feel happy and connected to myself and I don't think I really knew who I was or what I really wanted. I don't think I'd ever really said yes to me and um, you know, I, had, I mean, I had an, an extent in my swimming and, and choosing to go to Sydney and having all the people help me. But in the la- in the final years of my career, it was a bit of a slog. So I think it was a really, um, yeah, it was terrible and traumatic, but it was positive. I mean, the outcome is amazing now. So you know, I've got a I've got a really good story. Yeah, you've got to you've got to get to that point though, don't you? Where <laughs> totally. you move past that pain, and then you can actually look back and go, okay, maybe this is why that could have happened, or how you know, not necessarily that everything happens for a reason as such, but you have made you know lemonade out of some lemons there, and you know you wouldn't have these things happening in your life now if that moment hadn't have occurred. Yeah, and absolutely. That's so important to look at. But tell everyone a little bit about you because I kind of digressed a little bit there. I apologise. Um, what about you? Um, I guess what led you to becoming a coach in the first place? I know we just touched a little bit on there about the 2004 Athens and, and the games and you missing out on that. But tell everyone how, yeah, you came to do what you do now. Um, so I was born with a condition called arthrogryposis multiplex congenita. Um, it's quite a rare uh, muscular and joint condition so I don't have a lot of cartilage my tendons and my ligaments are either not there at all or they're really loose or really tight um I've got club feet which means that you're born with your feet facing in and I've had them corrected and I've got an ankle fusion on my right side um and I got into swimming through therapy and then realized I was really good at swimming and so then just kept on going um and I I ended up having the shoulder injury, like I mentioned, and went to a spiritual healer because all the doctors I went to told me it was in my head. And so wow. I, went, I went to someone else and she talked a lot about energy and how to get stuck in 
different areas of your body and how that um, can cause pain. And so eventually continue to go to, to her and have a really beautiful kind of healing my soul experience as well as my physical body. Um, and as I delved more into that intuitive part of me, I thought oh, I'd be really cool if I could learn like to, like the language that I need to be a coach or the language I need to be a speaker or um, I want to learn how to articulate my message. So I went and did some coaching training. And it's funny when I look back at that now that so much of the stuff that I learned as a coach has been really good, but I've had to unlearn a lot of that. And this, you know, we, we, we watched a bit of it happen over social media in the last kind of six months, that real spiritual bypassing mm. um, and and how as a person with a disability, I, buy, I, I spiritually bypassed myself a lot in terms of overworking or over committing myself because I was taught essentially that I had to think positive and that, was, and that mm. would mean that my body wouldn't fail me in any way. But when you're born with a disability, there are other kind of complications to just having a normal body and, and living a normal life. So that kind of, I was really in early on, it was really confusing to me. I was like, no, but I'm thinking really positive. Like, why is my knee like falling apart? Why do I have to have a knee replacement? Um, so it's been a really amazing adventure of learning to meld my intuition and my, you know, events background. I work in, I worked in sports marketing for a long time at the Institute of Sport Um and worked in corporate banking and events and disability uh, education kind of stuff and melding all of those different skills together to, into the business that I have today. So um, because I believe that every skill is transferable, it's just about how you kind of use it in, your, in the space. Yeah, it's just a beautiful tapestry of everything that you've yeah. done over the years and it's all come to lead you to where you are now. And I feel quite similar about myself. You know, I um, started off in hairdressing when I was younger and then I wanted to move on and do my psychology degree and then I was a fashion buyer and then I, you name it, I've done Mm. it. Um, And then I studied world religions, uh, including Buddhism at uni and then fell into yoga meditation and then wanted to teach that and then fell into Cairo. And now I kind of blend all of those modalities into one. And I don't regret doing any of it. You know, hairdressers are pretty much an underpaid psychologist. Yeah, and that's exactly. where I, I learned that I wanted to help people with my hands um, and help people feel better and talk with people through their things. Um, mm. But I didn't know exactly how. And I've always been quite a spiritual person and uh, wanted to incorporate that somehow too, but in a way where it could suit everyone which I know we were kind of talking about off air a little bit in the sense of being able to adapt that language to anyone in front of you so that they can understand spirituality or you know energy as a whole and it sounds like that healer really did help you in in discovering that for yourself as well as talking to you with where you were at because there's so many people that even come and see me or people in general within that holistic space we usually are a second opinion or a last resort Mm. we're not usually the first (laughs) resort um, in the sense that most people do go to you know the medical or western medicine profession and and try to find answers there and when there aren't answers physically you usually are labeled with something like a psychogenic disorder or something that it's in your head we can't find you know Mm. that physical cause for what you're experiencing because they're still looking at the body and mind as separate yeah, absolutely. It's the it's it's one, and I think that's what holistic therapies do so well. But you mentioned during that that 
you know, we kind of are part of this culture of positivity and think positive. And, you know, I think we create that especially for people who are in a minority or are experiencing disability or experiencing something um, that's worth grieving or loss in some way that we just go straight to that movement of, well, be positive, you know, you're still alive, you're still, you know, you can use your arms, you know, or whatever that might be. Did you find that helpful at times or did you find it extremely, you know, toxic and minimising at times? How can we, you know, still remain, I guess, with a positive outlook despite the hurdles that we're facing but not use it as also a crutch of, you know, um, diminishing or not validating like some real serious grief and loss? Mm. It's a really interesting kind of conversation because, you know, I truly believe in, you know, that you can choose to feel joy every day. And that's, you know, one of the, the like mantras I live by is that I choose joy. But the, that's not to say that some days I don't feel sensitive um, or um, have to have what I call like a spoonie day. So a spoonie day, I don't know if you know that heard of the term spoonie, which is someone who lives with chronic pain and we are, we have a certain amount of spoons that we can use up and when you get to you've you get to a day where you've run out of spoons essentially you've run out of cups where your cups are overflowing then it's hard for you to kind of function in in a able-bodied world um mm-hmm. and you know i believe that my positive attitude and i think my family w- would say that you know that has really helped me through and it's really helped me achieve some incredible things because i'm so determined but i look at some areas and in a particular time in my life where i had my right ankle fused and um it kind of went to shit the surgery yeah. um and yeah. it was this kind of le- lesson in um actually admitting to myself that it had gone badly and I had infection and I needed to go back and have two further surgeries to correct it and during that time yeah during that time my relationship my long-term relationship fell apart um I had to move out I had to move home with my parents and um I was put on redeployment in in the position I was in um at one of the big four banks and Mm -hmm. But it took me actually to this, like the real kind of end point to realise that if I just let myself fall in a heap for like a week or two weeks and like really, really feel what I was feeling and how how debilitating it was and that, it was, that I was grieving for a part of my body that was not the way that it had been for a long time, um, then I, I could start to move through it, you know the constant pushing down of the emotion was you know my belief is that the the reason why my wound just kept on weeping it was like there was literally like fluid was coming out of it um and you know I didn't really cry through that whole experience and I think that's so interesting now I look back at it you know you can see everything in hindsight and um if I just let myself have a big cry about how it had fallen apart and how everything kind of had fallen apart then it may have been an easier experience, but also it was a really um, beautiful growth experience for me too. To It, it taught me that lesson. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think you've summed it up really well there in the sense where you want to have those moments where you allow yourself or give yourself permission to feel it fully. Mm. And, and at times I think the really intelligent thing is to place that time limit on it as such where it's like, you know what, I'm going to feel this like, really feel it for this amount of time and then you know 
still not allow that to define your future for the rest of your life or be bitter for the rest of your life or sad for the rest of your life about something that you have all those, you know, you have the right to feel those at any time. I totally get it. But you don't want to be that person that's kind of stuck in that that space and that time or that trauma still for the next 30 years of your life Mm. either. Mm. So I think you've summed it up really well in the sense that it's like, yes, I allow myself to feel that way. Yes, I deserve to feel that way. And looking back, maybe I didn't, um, I wasn't as fully in it at the time, which I don't know if you can be, mind you. I think when things are really painful and you kind of go into that survival mode and you, you don't really have that space to really feel at times in that, in that moment. But when you do get there and then you go, okay, I can process this, I can understand this, then I can not just move forward because I'm sure there's a part of you which, you know, that still carries with you, but you can move forward enough to be like, well, how can I make this, uh, you know, be a catalyst for good in my life instead of the bad that it's created as well? Yeah, and I think back to, you know, me now, you know, that was really the beginning of me going and doing my, so my NLP practitioner training and, you know, really learning about myself and and the person that I was with as lovely as he is or was, it was not my person. And so I'm so glad that we got Mm. to go and experience life in the way that we are both now. Um, And it's such a, yeah, you know, you, Whenever, like life is not going to stay the same. You know, we're experiencing that right now with what's happening in the world, you know, as people living in um, Melbourne town with lockdown, mm. you know, lockdown even more just today. Um, you know, we, you, you, can, you can't control what happens in your life, but you can control how you react to it. And, you know, coming from a place of love too for yourself and for the situation and for what's happening it just makes it so much easier. But, yeah, absolutely feel the feels, you know, for for what time that you need to and then replace those feels with how can I be loving to myself today and then build on that. Mm, mm, I can totally understand that. And I think uh, resilience is definitely a word that comes to my mind when I hear mm. your story and what you've been through. And But what's really special is I think you've made your hard times and obstacles help shape your purpose and what you do now and I think a lot of us definitely do that you know even with Mm. my work and what I focus on a lot of it's because I've experienced those things in my life you know the reason I have an interest in anxiety or PTSD or um, you know psychogenic disorders or whatever it might be is because I've experienced that pain too and I didn't want anyone else to be alone in that and that's really shaped a big part of why I do what I do and why it means so much to me so I think it has for you but how do you think you've used them to shape your actual purpose right now? Because, you know, who would you be if you hadn't have experienced these things? You know, you'd be a completely different human being. Totally different. And I think, you know, I'm so grateful that I came to the world in this beautiful body because I wouldn't be who I am without atherogryposis. And, you know, I've got a hand abnormality too, so I'm missing some fingers on my left hand and that um, means I don't have full function. Um, but the experiences I've had through my disability and st- continue to have is so beautiful and profound. And, um, you know, the, the I, I think that even within my family too, the experiences that my family has had because there, were, there was me with a disability and my little sister experienced epilepsy growing up and she's grown out of that now. But And then my big sister uh, got 
uh, tuberculosis in her 20s. And, wow. and so our, our family is this kind of, we think it's a bit hilarious, like we kind of joke about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a, we're, we're a very, very resilient, incredibly powerful family and it's a beautiful, loving family unit and I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved without my, my family um, and my friends too. But I guess, you know, now I I remember sitting in my room in this crappy share house I was in and sitting there in the dark uh, after I'd had a couple of healings and I was starting to kind of uh, think about the the business that I wanted to have and um, I remember saying to my old housemate, um, I want to create this business because I don't want people to feel how I, I don't want people to feel how I'm feeling right now. And I was really depressed. It was, I'd retired from swimming. I had no support. I still was battling with my shoulder injuries. And, you know, that, that moment where I, I kind of went, I'm going to be the person to lead people from their pain, to help them move through their pain. And I, I believe that that's part of my purpose. And I just draw all of the different skills in to help people do that, whether it's, you know, the spiritual healing or connecting to source or it's the, you know, asking really, really good coaching questions or, you know, I, I love running events. I'm, I'm really good at running events. And if it's mm. a, an opportunity for someone to come to a workshop or even like I have like customer love days and where we just have an oh. event all day and we, we you know, we, we get married to ourselves essentially. I love um, that. You know, it's we do – you know, choosing to have really loving acts. And, you know, I'm working on a project with a beautiful friend of mine at the moment called National Women's Day. And what we're creating is a movement for women in Australia that will move out into every country in the world where we focus on loving our sisters and celebrating women for for what woman does and and it's not just for women, it's for non-binary and trans women as well. And mm. it's about... Uh, using your story to be a catalyst for change and that's my purpose oh it yeah and you know the what you're doing to change you know people's lives around you is does have a ripple effect on the world I believe you know you never Mm -hmm. there's this chiropractic saying I can't I never get it right but um by the founder of chiropractic who says you know you never know how much of what you do today can affect people you've never even met you know in their lives tomorrow you just Mm -hmm. don't know and you know, I think that that's such a beautiful thing that you're including, you know, when we say woman, like you're including woman, you know, trans, you know, whatever, that is woman. And I think we're, we're all as a society starting to really um, understand what that meaning is outside of what we've been taught it is, yes. you know, like it's a human being. It's not you know, that person who has, you know, children or that person who's a wife or these roles and these labels or it's a person who was born, oh, you know, with these certain parts. That's just not true. Mm, yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, it goes, you know, I think we, we go through life um, being put into categories and as a person with a disability, you know, oh. the, the category has been one of uh, – not for me because I, you know, have learned, I've experienced the hatred for it and the love for it, but um, it still is something that people believe, the majority of people believe is a weakness or the, this kind of less than. And I was saying I was uh, talking to a group of women on Tuesday afternoon and, you know, I, I was saying that the most disabling 
like able-bodied people have disabling thoughts and and the people that can teach them to overcome those disabling thoughts are the people with disabilities because we have to do it every single day multiple times a day you have to decide whether is my is my are my legs too sore today to get me out of bed or you know if I have to go into the city will I be able to get a car park and it's pissing with rain and I can't hold an umbrella Mm. so the, the amount of things you have to actually think about logistical things when you've got a physical difference is so huge but you just get on with it because otherwise you would you have to literally just stay in your house yeah, yeah. And, and you know what I was one of those able-bodied people for a very long time um mm. wouldn't have even thought twice about it until my mum uh became really really unwell with a really rare brain disease and now has an acquired brain injury as a result mm. um so She's not completely physically disabled, but she could probably only walk for about five minutes maximum before Mm. getting extremely, extremely fatigued and tired to the point where just having a shower for her is enough to make her have a nap for two hours after. It is Mm. such a big thing for her and she's also mentally um, somewhat uh, disabled due to frontal lobe brain damage as well. And I had never thought about the fact that I have stairs leading up to my practice or I had never thought, um, oh, we need that disabled sticker because we literally can't actually walk that far with her. Mm. I had never thought um, of so many things, like I've got her little devices now to help her put like her socks on and, yeah. um, you know, to help her take her clothes off and all these things that I never would have even thought of yeah and that's why I loved um I think I found you shortly after that and I loved following your posts and you even said you know are you doing events that are actually inclusive you know are you having events because I do a lot of events as well that everyone can actually come to and I didn't didn't even think of that before um and it's not until it touches you personally sometimes that you understand that so I think you're doing such a beautiful thing to try and educate people without them coming to that conclusion in terms of that experience of someone they love having a Mm. disability so therefore that's how they learn it it should be a society understanding um from the start I believe yeah I believe that too and I think you know like people with disabilities are 25 percent of the market so if you're running a business you're missing out on 25 percent of the market and if you work in the wellness and health industry the NDIS now will pay for those types of things so there's money there from the government to actually pay for your services as well, not not just one-on-one kind of sessions, but also for community um, connection and involvement. And so we have money in our funding that helps us go to events that will help us feel involved in the community. You know, my my beautiful Charlie who comes every Monday and Wednesday and she helps me around the house, there's money in my budget for her to take me to a gig. So, you know, like just because it's easier and she's like, oh, my God, when we can go to concerts, it's going to be amazing, you know, I'm like, and we're actually friends, <laughs> you know, like now. So it's, it's um, yeah, you know, and I think, and I mean, if it's, if, it, if it's a bottom line thing for you in terms of, you know, bring money into your businesses, well, there you go. But also if you want to really walk your talk and be, you know, work in the spiritual industry or the health industry, then you also have to realise that, if you don't include people with disabilities, you're actually not being a holistic practitioner, or you're not. Uh, it's not a spirit. It's not spiritual to exclude people with disabilities. 
Mm-mm. It's not at all. And I remember my mum, she had to relearn how to use her hands, like coordination-wise, mm. um, and she couldn't put on her makeup. And I know that sounds like such a small thing, but my mum is a very she took a lot of pride in what she looked like. Her hair was always perfect. Her outfits always perfect. Her makeup always perfect. And it was something that she could do to make herself feel good. And anyway, because the little brushes and things are so small, Mm. she literally couldn't do it herself. And there was hardly anything out there for someone who had experienced something that she experienced for them to be able to help themselves feel things that you know, other people can just do so easily every day. I can just go upstairs and whack my makeup on. That mm. became an effort for my mum. So we actually made her these little things so that she could hold on to the pencils a little bit better and Amazing. all that kind of thing, which she now can do herself regardless. But it's just even little things like that you just don't you don't think of. So it's made me become um, very aware and want to be more inclusive and uh and want to not ever have anyone feel like they're not welcomed or not thought of, especially in this field. So I have to personally thank you for that because you've you've dropped some things yeah, for me where I'm you. like, oh, my goodness, like I didn't even, wouldn't have even thought of it unintentionally, you know, but still um, got to do better than that, I think, in this world. So, um, yes, thank you for helping us all know how to be better humans and be more inclusive to everyone because oh, yeah thank you <laughs> yeah now we were having a little chat um before about um spirituality and things and I just want to talk about this briefly and then we'll go into some what we called some woo-woo downloads that are coming <laughs> from Al at the moment but I also just wanted to quickly touch on the fact that you're on an oracle card deck is oh, you know, yes. tell everyone about this the first <laughs> inclusive oracle card deck it's just so cool it's so so cool so um the card deck now I'm good now I'm gonna like say the wrong thing the wrong <laughs> thing is what it's called let me just quickly get it up because oh no no I, I you're know fine terror something I just want to make sure that I get the name right Terra Chi Oracle. So uh, their Kickstarter is going to start in about, I think, mid-August. But the beautiful women who are creating it contacted me just uh, by email through um, following me on Instagram and asked me whether I would like to be featured as Maeve. Um, the goddess of power on one of the oracle uh, cards and it was actually a funny day because me and my best friend had been talking on the phone about how we were struggling in lockdown (laughs) and I was having a slight moment Um, and the email came through and I burst into tears because I I you know we don't really ever see ourselves in mainstream media Um, if we see ourselves on you know say I mean, there's been plenty of people in wheelchairs on Home and Away, for an example, but everyone learns how to walk again in a couple of days. Um, and, you know, it's it's really uh, disability isn't really celebrated like that. And, you know, the next kind of level of that for, for me personally is that women who are curvy that have disabilities are not celebrated. So when we mm. see women represented with disabilities in mainstream media, they're all well, they're Paralympians, and yes, I'm a Paralympian, but I've been retired since 2015 well, from rugby because I played rugby afterwards after swimming. Oh, wow. But yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I played seven, for seven years. I was the only female to play. Oh, my God. Boys. Yeah, it was good fun. I smashed the boys. Um, <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, there's to be to be 
I feel like I've had a life goal completed. And, you know, me and my mate um, Tilly were talking about, you know, my dream is to be, has, has been to create an Oracle deck that is inclusive. And I said to her last week, maybe I don't need to do that anymore or right now. Mm. Maybe I need mm. to, like, I can do some other projects first and that we can put that on the back burner because my heart actually feels really full from that. And so, yeah, I'm on an Oracle card. I'm in my wheelchair dancing in a beautiful forest and um, it's a real very, very proud, magical moment for me. Mm. It, it looks beautiful. It's a beautiful card, but I also loved the wording that you represent. Mm. Yes, yeah, I like, you don't see that in in media in terms of disability and power going next to each other, do you? No, unless you're, you know, they're doing a story about you being a wheelchair rugby player, you know, smashing people on the court, yeah. contact, you know, not not power in the sense of energetic, beautiful goddess power, you know, and, mm. and really I believe, and I don't think this is kind of blowing my own trumpet too much, but I feel like the words on the card really epitomise who I am and that was, I think that's why it touched me so much because it really felt real and I felt like I was really seen yeah yeah Yeah, it's a beautiful card that's why I had to mention it today because I was like I've just never seen that before and I just thought wow that's like we are getting somewhere in the world you know we are making a difference and I think that you touched on it then as well in the sense of you and I probably are similar that we think we have to do everything ourselves and create everything ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm like, I've got to do this and then I've got to do that. And then, you know, I've got to do this. And then, but really we can be a part of other people's things, bringing that to life as well. Mm. So, you know, you don't need to create all the things. You can just be a part of it, which is still a huge difference in itself. Like that's yeah. going to change people's perceptions of what that means and you know I hope in the future in the media we do see um, all humans a little bit more no matter what size no matter what um, ability or non-ability that they have or whatever words you want to use I I think we should just start seeing what's actual real life portrayed that way it's like you know when you look at magazines and things and then you look around in society women don't look like that they don't look like that yeah I mean I've done lots of vision boards in my time and you know, it's been sitting around the table with my girlfriends and they're all cutting things out of the magazines and they're like, oh, why aren't you cutting out? And I'm like, because I'm not represented in any of those magazines. Mm. You know, there's no there's no picture of a person with a disability unless it's like overcoming their disability. Why can't they be mm. story? Why, why isn't there stories about us celebrating how amazing we are despite, of our, despite our disabilities? Our disabilities often have everything and nothing to do with us. Mm. Did you find a lot of pressure to kind of make up for the fact that you had a disability in the sense like, well, you'd have to be a Paralympian then to be worthy or you would have to be good at sport in somehow to be worthy or you would have to do something to prove that, you know, you weren't your disability as such? Did you feel like that was quite a a thing as well? Because I know, you know, even able-bodied people feel like they're not necessarily worthy unless they're achieving, let alone I can only imagine when when you can't see yourself anywhere. Mm, yeah yeah in in Australia particularly because sport is such a big thing you know the Paralympians are really celebrated and I, f- I really feel for the artists and the dancers and the you know like oh, know. there's there's wheelchair ballroom dancing and that's never been on television you know like it's a, there's every every able-bodied thing that you do we do too we just either do it with a like where, where the equipment has been changed in some kind of way or we're doing it from our wheelchairs or we're doing it online or you know there's mm. lots of everything is adaptable but 
Um, I think for me, I mentioned, I think in my on Instagram uh, the other day. You know, one of the things for me growing up it was was kind of funny because I was the only uh, person in a wheelchair in my friendship group within the Australian swimming team. Um, mm-hmm. And so often my kind of adolescent brain would go to, I wish my body looked more normal like them, even though they still had disabilities. So I was hanging out with like amputees and, and because their bodies are a little bit more like normal looking or natural looking, whereas my legs have got a unique shape and I'm missing fingers and um, my skin is different because arthrogryposis skin is like baby skin. Um, which oh, you're is, very soft. I'm very soft, which is good because I pretty much have no wrinkles and I'm nearly 37. Um, <laughs> you're going to look 20 when you're 80, so you're yeah. going to win in the end. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm like, I have Benjamin Button syndrome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to be wishing we were you very soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, like I think, you know, it's funny because, I didn't really know the term ableism until a couple of years ago and then I look Mm. now and I'm like, whoa, ableism is everywhere and unconscious ableism is everywhere and I even have unconscious ableism myself where I've got fear, I've had fears of working with different types of disabilities because I wouldn't have known how to behave or be of service and Mm. it was really interesting kind of unpacking those things for myself because... um, you know, how can I be an ableist if I have a disability as well? So, you know, it's, yeah, it's this constant kind of uh, like like analysts of yourself and what you believe about yourself and the world. Mm. Well, even Mm. I was a bit nervous to have you on because I'm like, I hope I don't say anything offensive or something silly because I'm not aware or educated enough to know what maybe Mm. is an appropriate term to say or maybe not an appropriate thing to say you know um so I'm like oh I hope I I do this well enough or do it justice for people who are living with disabilities because Mm. yeah we we can get nervous also to want to make sure that we are inclusive because because we haven't experienced it ourselves. we don't know sometimes what's the right thing or wrong thing to say so totally really educating everyone on that as well which is why I was like no nope, yeah we need help and you're doing it in a way that's really modern as oh, well because yeah. I think and, you know like just don't worry about people like don't worry about calling me disabled it's the truth like the the more that you worry about the language that you that you use or we use around people with disabilities the more we're just like digging our own grave like we know we're disabled so the only people that have problems with the word disabled are the people that don't have it because then because they're perceiving its disability as weak, whereas we believe it's our power. It's my superpower. So it can't it be. It is bad. your superpower. Yeah. It is. No, it's not bad. And I think, you know, we're all we're all learning and I think with people who are coming out and being more um, you know, spreading that awareness is really helping everyone understand mm. that too. Because, you know, we, we have been brought up in that culture, whereas if you don't fit or suit um, normal, no matter what that is, whether it's disability or anything in terms of minority, then you are less than. Whether yeah. it's your, you know, your race, um, your socioeconomic status, your um, body, whether you're overweight, whether you're underweight, whatever. If you don't look in that certain 
it's a very small um, I know. It's so <laughs> box stupid. to fit as well. Like not many people fit. We've created a bit of a monster there because there's only about 10 people in the world who actually fit it. Um, you know, so, you know, you're, you're helping create that. But I just love your vibe as well. So give us some downloads because I've seen that on your thing and we want some downloads. What's going on with the world? What, what's happening? Should we live in our panic bunkers in the attic? What's going on? <laughs> no, we should not live in our panic, panic bunkers. Um, although, like, for now, just my kind of mantra for, like, at the moment, you know, just don't be a dick. Um, look, look, look after the people that you know need to be looked after and you know you you will then energetically be looked after in return um so I got a really interesting download last night um thank you so much source as I was about to try and go to sleep um and <laughs> they have a very good timing don't they <laughs> yeah yeah um, and essentially what they're saying is over the next kind of 48 hours so um the date today is the 30th of July and so uh, on Saturday, the, you, we will definitely feel an energetic lift and a change. But what we're what, at the moment, we're in an energetic portal where a lot of old energetic uh, like bodies or beliefs or mechanisms that have been with us as humans for a really long time are being shed and broken down and and you know, removed from from Earth. So. Um, things will will begin to feel really different from a sat day i i believe the best kind of way to describe it is we'll be able to breathe more we'll be able to breathe better and that kind of means that whether that means a a corona vibe situation is going to lift i'm not sure but i feel like there is going to be some kind of um moment where we begin to get answers where there's been constructs around earth or beliefs around how we have to behave as, as humans will be broken down and will fall away. So, um, yeah, if you're feeling a little bit off or sick or uncertain or your anxiety is high, you're, that's essentially what's happening. You're going through a big, big energetic shift and, you know, it's drink lots of water eat lots of really beautiful, uh, nourishing, organic foods and and treat yourself like you would treat a, a small child, you know, look after your inner child and yourself that way. Like I always say, like mother yourself, learn how to mother. If you, if you, um, if you could be the most beautiful, loving, nurturing mother that anyone could ever have in the world, do that for yourself right now. Mm. yeah and we all we all find that rather hard don't we mm. you know we can we can do that for everyone else yeah um but ourselves and you know you hear it a lot too like when people um change patterns of behavior and things once they become a parent or they will do it for someone else not necessarily themselves so I think it's such a special thing for us all to learn how to care for ourselves not mm. because we feel that we need to do that for someone else it's it's literally we need to learn how to do it parent ourselves you know we all learn it at some point I ate a whole packet of Tim Tams the other day and I know my mum definitely wouldn't have let me do that and then you learn the hard way you're like okay I'm in a lot of pain (laughs) this probably is why she would say no and I'm I'm learning the steps slowly oh yeah man I I actually did the whole packet of Tim Tams thing in the first lockdown and I regretted it a lot so I haven't done it (laughs) haven't done this lockdown but um yeah once enough once enough Maybe yeah. two if you're feeling quite festive inside, but but definitely not the whole entire packet. Mm-hmm. You will you will learn to regret it. But I think the other thing I just wanted to touch on with you as well is that obviously there's been times in your life where you felt like this, hey, this is pretty shit. This is all a bit too hard. I'm I'm not happy here. 
what advice could you give someone who's thinking that maybe at the moment, because coronavirus is such a big thing, and I know that you just mentioned that, you know, we will be able to breathe a little bit easier and so to speak, even though we are wearing masks everywhere, (laughs) Um, but that we will, you know, there'll be a lift soon, an energetic lift soon. But uh, what would you say to someone who's probably either struggling with that on top of something that they were already struggling with before? What can they do? There's a beautiful book uh, by Pema Chodron called When Things Fall Apart and mm. it talks about be- having loving kindness for yourself and compassion for yourself and, and being your own best friend. Um, and I feel that in the times where I've had to overcome, you know, a major adversity, so, you know, like the last kind of eight-ish years I've learned how to walk again five times and In in all of those moments, I have let myself be held by by the universe. I've let myself be held by the people that love me the most and to not um, try and prove to anyone that I'm okay because if I'm not okay, then the only person that kind of misses out if I'm proving, like if I'm trying to live expectations or other people's expectations or prove something to someone, it's it's not only going to help well, it's not going to help me, but it's not going to help people around me either. Mm. Um, and it's okay if you it's okay if you need to ask for help. Um, and you know, I think there's been many moments in my life where I've had fear of of really expressing how deeply um, I've been in pain or or upset because of my disability, and haven't wanted to kind of experience, express, express that to my family just for reasons of, you know, ego. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, calling someone like Beyond Blue is freaking amazing. Like Beyond Blue is so good. Um, you know, those types of uh, resources are available to us. Take it really slowly. Don't try and force things. When we force, it's coming from a place of anxiety. It's not coming from a place of trust. You know, let the current take you in whatever direction it takes you and you'll you'll begin to feel lighter and lighter by doing that. Mm. Mm. And in terms of those hard times, we're talking a bit about faith before and that, you know, uh, when you have faith going through those hard things, you know, it can help support us or feel supported or that we're not alone. But what could you maybe say to someone because I do have a few clients who are probably listening who are feeling this way currently where they were quite spiritually um you know or spiritual initially and then some really tough things happened and and not just you know one thing it was like one big wave after another and it's almost to the point where they're like why is this stuff keep happening you know Mm. why does this keep happening to me and they find it's hard to maintain that connection. To, they, they lose their faith, basically. Mm-hmm. How can they? Tr- how can they trust even in these times? Because you would have had to do that. How can oh others God, do yeah. that? Oh God! Like that. I feel like that's a you know a weekly kind of lesson is to trust the um, the uncertainty of of your faith and the uncertainty of what is going on in the world, um, and to to allow yourself to. Um, you know, let yourself off the hook with your, you know, you'll, you'll, I feel like it'll always come back around because once you know about it, you can't really go back. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you will, you, you'll be in touch with source. You'll feel, you'll have a connection to your faith, and there'll be moments you'll have ebbs and flows where you won't feel as deeply connected as other times, and that's completely okay. It's like remembering that. 
you don't have to be the yoga um the yo the yogi who you know does um sh- you know wakes up at 4 a.m in the morning to do to do their practice and then only has green smoothies it's about it's about allowing yourself to have the whole box of tim tams and no and well, no I'm good at that yeah, you know, <laughs> and, yeah and knowing that you're still connected to source even if you do do that like you know i um I, I I think you know, and I guess what's coming through now is they're like, t- say, tell them about your surgeries, um, and you know, I've had thirty five surgeries, and I remember going in for my left knee replacement, and I said to Archangel Michael, "I'm okay if I don't wake up, like I'm so exhausted, I'm okay if I don't wake up." And then just as we were wheeling into the operating theater, I was I I, I could see him, and I was like, "I take that back." And, you know, he was like, of course, you take it back. I'm not even really listening to you. It's fine. Um, you know, it's it's about you. I just knew in myself that I had to do something with the most incredible gifts that I've been given and nothing is happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm. No, if we think that things are happening to us, then I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning because if I thought this disability is happening to me to make my life harder, then I'm I'm already like done. But if I'm re- if I remember that this disability has happened for me to be the most beautiful, potent version of myself, then oh, what a beautiful gift! Mm. That and that's faith, I believe. Mm. Definitely. That you just said that really beautifully, and I and when you said that you know I'm okay if if I don't wake up, and then you saw that a glimpse of maybe oh God, what have I just said? Mm. Um, I think you know that in itself is proof that it's not that you you weren't okay if you didn't wake up. You were just in a hard time and in a lot of pain, and you wanted that to stop. I you know, it wasn't that, yeah. yeah, it wasn't that you didn't want to be here anymore. It's it's that you just wanted you know that breath amongst the waves. Yeah, I wanted um, to, and you know, and I've I've often said, you know, I, I in the past I'd gone into surgery so I could rest, and so you know, I got into hospital mm. to have a, to have a holiday and rest. And I was like, <laughs> I can understand that. That is the main. That in in that is so like, why are you not giving yourself loving rest in your everyday life? Elle? Like, you don't have to have surgery to rest. Just like you're worthy of having rest all the time, like whenever you want. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What? Why do you think we feel like we aren't? I think the world tells us that we have to be like running around like headless chickens all the time, but it's just, you know, that that actually doesn't serve any anyone. And, you know, we look at, even if we think about what's happening now with all the Zoom meetings and, you know, for, for so many years people with disabilities have asked to work from home, to ask to have flexible mm. workplaces, to to be able to tap into conferences through Zoom links or through telephone lines because they couldn't physically get there. And able-bodied people were like, oh, no, that can't be done. But as soon as Apparently it was, it was too hard, yeah, you know. Yeah, it was too hard. But as soon as it affected all of them, they were like, shit, we better do something. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, I think that we, we're running around, you know, I think, and, and I believe that what is happening right now is actually helping us connect 
to the present of what is actually happening now in the world and that's what will help us this is the new this is the new paradigm right like actually be Mm. actually be present with what is happening in the world because we can't go anywhere so we may as well just like live the presence Mm. well we don't have a choice do you yeah 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 which is what disability really often gives you is that you don't have a choice so you just have to live in the moment do you think that because you've experienced, I guess, hardship out of your control where your whole world has been changed before, so to speak, and where you felt isolated from social things before or felt that you couldn't just go do what you want when you want before or that your freedom was somewhat um, different, do you think that that gave you some tools to be able to cope with, say, something like coronavirus because you're like, oh, well, I've had this happen before in the sense where something really big and impactful changed my whole world um, and that you kind of built those resilient traits prior to something like this and that maybe for some people that they're possibly this is their first experience of something so large out of their control possibly. Yeah, absolutely. And, to, and you know, I am, I am so grateful for all the moments that I had nothing to be grateful for. Like I, mm. you know, I, I I remember pushing down my hallway in the first lockdown being like, Elle Steele, you were freaking made for this. You don't have to go anywhere. You've got all the things that you need in your your beautiful little house that's like a sanctuary and, you know, you're completely fine and if you need people to come in, you can people can come in. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first lockdown I was having wrist surgery so I really was locked down. I couldn't actually kind of push myself or anything so I was really stuck in the house. But, you know, my life has given me opportunities, many, many opportunities where I haven't been able to go to birthdays or different events because they weren't placed in an accessible Mm. event and I couldn't walk up them Um, and you just learn to work around it because like what else are you meant to do Mm. yeah and and to be grateful yeah to be grateful for the moments that that your ego tells you that you've got nothing to be grateful for because really if Mm. like I, I think about people like oh my god I'm stuck at home I'm like you're not stuck at home. You can still go for a walk around the park. Someone in a wheelchair may not be able to do that. Like we're actually really stuck at home. Yeah. Like yeah. seriously stuck like at seriously home. Seriously stuck at home. Like I can go for a walk. I've got a new chair in the last week. So I'm much more uh, independent now and I've got beautiful friends that will take me for a push. But, you know, some people don't have that. Like imagine not actually having those support networks around you or living in a country where it's not easily you're easy, it's easy for you to get around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for shedding so much light on a topic that I think all of us need to learn more and more about. And I hope that everyone listening to this has gained something from that and maybe is just a little bit more aware of maybe how they're contributing to things where people may not feel included um so i know you definitely did that for me so thank you so much for being on the show today um and hopefully one day we can meet in person one day soon that would be amazing i would love that that would be so good all right al well thank you for being the guest today and um everyone the next episode uh should be filmed or recorded i think next week so we've got a couple coming up soon stay tuned for that And thanks for listening. Thanks so much.